0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Open Source Workplace weekly podcast. Uh, I'm your host, my name is Steve Todd. I'm the global head of workplace at Nasdaq, and I'm also the founder of opensourceworkplace.com. As I said, if this is your first time coming across the channel, thank you, I wish, I hope uh, we deliver uh, something of value to you. Uh, And if you'd consider subscribing, that would be a great benefit. And hit that like button so that YouTube knows that other people may be interested in this video as well. So what are we going to talk about today in this week's podcast? So this week we're gonna talk with Denise Broider. Denise is the CEO and founder of Sway Workplace. Uh, Sway, or uh, Denise is, is, is actually a fellow Irish person, so it's gonna be interesting to see how we, we, we communicate and, and sort of a, how, 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 how hard we find it to stay on topic. But what are gonna talk about? Proximity bias. Within the workplace, there are many biases. So proximity, when we think about what way we're going to be working in the future, how does proximity and the bias of proximity play in from an organization or from, from an employee perspective? And flexible working, again, so what is flexible working and how, do these, how does this connect with, with the bias? And if we get time, I want to sort of touch on work as a lifestyle because this is something that Denise has uh, written about and, and shared on her, her blog, um, which we have links below. So uh, before we go on, let me bring in Denise and uh, say hello. Denise, how are you doing?
1: Good morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you for joining us today. This is the first time on on the show on the podcast, so it's it's great to have you with us. Um, and as I mentioned, you know you you're, you are a fellow Irish person, so it's going to be interesting to see how the the different accents play and whether my my tongue shifts more to match yours because <laughs> I find that tendency to do those things. But uh, so tell us a little bit about you, Denise, and what the audience should know about you.
1: Okay, so I do promise to keep the colloquialisms to a low, and I definitely will go rogue in my Irish accent when I'm with a fellow Irish person. So we'll try to keep it on the straight and narrow. Good. Uh, so I'm the founder of Sway Workplace. Uh, we are an online community, a learning community for people and teams mastering the future of work and flexibility. Our premise is that we believe that flexible working is a systematic change and emergent trend and response to the independent nature of work. So it's a much more deep-rooted, deep-running trend and ultimately it's not about a conversation about where do you drop your laptop for 3 versus 2 days. It really is a complete mindset mindset shift and rewiring and therefore it's a whole new skill set. So within our community that's what we focus on with our members, learning and growing over time and building that muscle of flexible work.
0: No, I really want to tuck in dig into how you got to that, but you said community. Mm-hmm. Why why do you think why are you building a community?
1: I think that the community as a business model has been emerging over these last couple of years. Um, I think there's real value in like-minded people coming together, being part of something bigger than themselves, and being able to change in a positive way. And, and at the end of the day, everything is a community. You know, our, My home is a community. My church is a community. Open source is a community. Everything operates by community. And I think over the last couple of years, companies and people have orientated more towards community as a business model. So it is about the power of human connection and what can happen when that synergy happens and translating that into products, services and solutions that make a difference for people.
0: Mm, that's great, I love that. And uh, mm-hmm. as I sort of flip cameras here to bring us together. Um, so obviously to, to get to that, you didn't start over Workplace and I love people's stories on how we fall in love with Workplace and working with people. So you know your journey has been kind of similar to mine, finance background. So why don't you tell the folks about how you got here and some of the roles you've had in your previous life?
1: Mm-hmm. So the first half of my career was spent on Wall Street at the big banks, and I absolutely loved it. What a way to kind of grow up and mature and skills and people that you meet in the processes. But halfway through, about 10 years in, I just had a real sense, a gra, if you will, that's an Irish word, um, about wanting to be an operator and to build something. I just wanted to build something from the ground up. So I moved into the startup world and just kind of followed my intuition that that was something that I wanted to do. Jumped into the startup world. So I've been in startups for the last ten years. Um, have had a great time. And for anyone that is an entrepreneurial mind And in the startup, you can have like a manic Monday where you think everything is done, and you have a terrific Tuesday We're like yes, we've saved the company. So, the highs and lows, the excitement of building something for me is I find it thrilling. So. That led me to Sway Workplace, which I started at the beginning of 2019 as the founder of Sway Workplace. So for me, again, running, having an idea and feeling so passionate about something, I could not not do it. So I orientated around the community concept for Sway and started building it in 2019
0: excellent excellent now you Mm you built that you started your journey but you did start in ireland so how did you end up in new jersey of all
1: places oh wow yeah so i am as you are from ireland i'm from a very small rural town in the west of ireland i just had this thing and i don't know where it came from i just had to get to wall street and how i was an 18 year old kid living in a a rural town with a thousand people how was he going to get there so i studied finance at the university of limerick and in my final year I went in and I emailed all the big banks in New York, just asking for an internship. And fortunately, one wrote back and said they would. So I took out a loan for £300, booked a one-way ticket to New York and landed on Wall Street.
0: Fantastic. I love that uh, (laughs) bravery, the courage, the gumption, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is you want to call it. But uh, and you've never looked back. So well done, you. Um, So that's kind of a fun story. But what would be a fun fact that you think, you you know, people who know you or don't know you would, would be interested to hear?
1: a fun fact my goodness um i definitely believe that i'm born lucky i mean i have my birthday is 7777 seven, seventy-seven. loads of sevens and irish i feel like there i have a serious lucky trend and maybe that's really helpful being in the startup world so i've got that going for me fun fact
0: good for you good for you um so <laughs> as, as we sort of move into some some of the things that we want to sort of focus on today um and i want to start with flexible working there's many interpretations of what that means. For you, what does flexible working mean?
1: It's an excellent question to start with because any type of real systematic change, which is what we're experiencing right now, it requires a new de- it requires a new lexicon. So I think that if we you know you and I spend a lot of time in Clubhouse and in conversations, we're all looking and we're all at step one, which is finding our words and common definitions. And once we nail that down, we can actually commit to some degree of progress. So for me, flexible working is very clear. Flexible working is a strategy, and it's a strategy about empowering people and truly empowering people to choose when and where they work within a culture of trust. So to be very distinct about it, remote for me is a feature or an aspect of flexible work. So if remote work is a tool, then flexible working is the tool belt. And that strategy of flexible working two belt is to fix a problem. I think the problem is we have such a degree of burnout in the way that we work. The flexible working unroots and solves for burnout and by consequence will improve employee engagement right across the board. So for me, those are the definitions that we work with.
0: And then would you then assume or take that, taking that concept, would you then look at the, the corporate office as a tool in that belt as well then?
1: It is, definitely is. So, you know, in the world of work, again, so we at Sway, we come at this a little bit differently. We are not, we skew more towards the why flexible works over the how. And intuitively, that's almost a reverse process. You would uh, You would think that we would agree on the why and then implement the how, but in the moment that we have a COVID, we're really focused on the how, but so we skew more towards the why flexible work. So our line of thought at Sway is based on systems thinking, the system of work. It's also powered by futures thinking, the futurist in all of us to shape the world of work we want to live in. And the ultimate goal at Sway is to unlock human potential. So that's those are the three areas that we come at with Sway. So work for sure is a system and the workplace is a big part. And if the world of work has three parts, it's the worker, the work being done and the workplace. Traditionally, those three things, as if you imagine them as bubbles, had to come together to create work. But those three have completely changed, and that's going for a systematic change. Work can now happens in the cloud. The workplace is physical and virtual and the work art is physical and virtual. It's completely, completely changed. But yes, the workplace has a big piece of it, but it's one of the three parts.
0: Right, right. And you said unlocking human potential. Why do you think flexible work as a strategy is the best way to achieve that?
1: It is the only way to achieve it. And I think that's what we're coming. So when I mentioned we skewed towards the why, we think deeply about the why. And there's a confluence of two events that are happening. One is the location independent nature of the system of work as we described, which is an trend. But we really think about its Sway is what is happening next. So even before COVID, the whole concern about the future of work, which primarily existed in academic circles, is the massive influence that the technology is going to have on the way that we live, work, and play. It's just enormous. And that's all it was a real motivating factor where we started Sway. We have such a deep concern. For the everyday worker who has the potential to be massively displaced by the way AI is being rolled out and deployed right across the workplace. So for us that is a real concern about preparing people to be able to work in a positive way, to work alongside AI as opposed to being displaced by it. So for us that's why we skew more towards the why in preparing people for this coming change.
0: No, that's, that's, that's very, very interesting. And uh, you did mention Clubhouse and it's sort of nice mm-hmm. into where, where we're going to go. And for those who haven't participated yet on Clubhouse, I would encourage you to get on because the diversity of mind, the diversity of perspectives um, on Clubhouse, it just opens up so many avenues of ways of thinking um, in topics that are tangentially close to workplace that actually some of the, the the things out there I think is fantastic, so I encourage everyone to do so. And I was fortunate enough to participate with a number of friends on one a few weeks ago, and, and you came on stage and you asked this question, and, mm-hmm. and I sort of tried to tackle it. I don't think I answered it probably as articulately as you could. And and it was, you know, what about proximity bias, right? So whenever we talk about proximity bias, for you, what what is that?
1: You know, it definitely, and this is about the idea of skewing towards the why. And for us, it is all proximity bias. So we believe flexible work is the only way to unlock potential. And we believe the singular largest gating factor to flexible work is proximity bias. So I think the first thing is to really acknowledge and just remove the taboo of bias. It's like when I say, if I say you have a bias, it's there's such a negative connotation to it. But I think the first thing before you can even address what proximity bias is, is take away the taboo and the sting of it. And just to recognize that we all have bias and bias, if you look at it's just a subconscious assumption about how the world works. And oftentimes we must operate like that. We must operate around assumptions so we can't sit down and analyze every single decision of every part of the day. We'd never get anything done. Mm. So biases and as assumptions are valuable, but they become a liability when the world changes in a way where that bias holds you back. So a bias is a deep rooted subconscious idea that forms a habit and a routine about how things should work and proximity is a major, major one. So again, we have worked industrial an industrial way for the last 100 years. We've been used to working around each other. Our parents work like that. Our neighbors work like that. It's always been like that. And inertia is a hard, hard, hard force to disrupt. But we're at a point in time where we need to address our proximity bias, which is the assumption that if I don't see you, if I know you're not coming into the office, if you're not sitting beside me, if I can't just drop by your desk, vis-a-vis people that are not there, I feel like I'm going to assign more value to the work that you do. Now, we all know, practically speaking, that's not legitimate and that's not true in most cases but you really have to unearth that bias in yourself and really catch yourself. Because the opposite of that, and I think where we're at the evolution is about location inclusion. So if bias is subconscious, location inclusion is a positive mental model. It's a conscious line of thought around looking at your work, your teams and your workplace and looking at the positive nature of location inclusion. And we can all do it. We just have to put the effort in to switch from a bias to a, a positive mental model around location inclusion.
0: I love that flipping it from the negative connotation to a positive and I love location inclusion. I think it's a it's 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 a beautiful term in a sense of and when we talk about a flexible work, location really is agnostic. The inclusion is the element of it, right? And we talk about diversity, inclusion, and belonging, it's becoming a huge factor for many organizations and a big effort to try to, you know, bring those things in. So I think there is a huge opportunity here. But You know, many, many folks who are successful, who have progressed through organizations, have developed skills and been promoted and rewarded for being in an office, managing teams that they can see. So we have to acknowledge that there is concerns about those folks, um, who have been successful that way. And the fear of operating under a different strategy.
1: It is just that it's fear. That's really what the root of it is. Um, we fear uh, because we don't want to trust. So the real question is not that I fear you, the real question is why do I not want to trust you? And I feel like in the future of work we talk about sub-gating factors, that is another huge gating factor. So it is about rewiring of the mental models to a reimagination of trust. So we thought we trusted each other, but how easy to trust somebody when you're a team of 10 and all 10 are sitting around the table and we have been. So when remote, when COVID happened, we were dispersed on the drop of a dime. So did we ever really have trust? Was that trust? If I saw you every day and I was micromanaging, was that trust? So we are being forced to reimagine what trust means in this new world of work.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And, And sort of, we think about that. We think trust. I think most employees want that trust. I think most employees believe they deserve that trust and strive for that autonomy so they can continue to do their own thing and actually, you know, contribute their own thoughts and minds and ideas.
1: It is true, but I will uh, challenge you on that idea that I think that, you know, for me, the shift to flexible working is, is a privilege. I, I don't think it's granted. I think that you have to, what I mean by that, it's a partnership. There has to be a meeting in the middle and trust is just the same if trust is the root. And if trust, we, we talk about this in futures terms, that trust is the currency of the future of work and the trusted organizations are those that will do well economically in the fourth industrial revolution and as we move. Trust has to be earned, granted, and sustained and respect it. It's not just something you pick off the street. You don't pick it of a supermarket and pick it off the shelf. Mm-hmm. You have to consider it. You have to respect it. You have to put it in place. You have to maintain, and you have to be responsible for both sides, both the teams that are working and the managers that are managing them. There's a meeting in the middle on that.
0: Yeah, and, and I like the, the, the concept of a privilege, but I think we have to look through the lens of, you know, as an employee, we have a privilege to work. At our organisations, right? Because in essence, we're there to do something. We're compensated for that function, um, but but I do I do buy into the privilege of being trustworthy, um, showing the organisation that you are trustworthy, and actually you can be uh, enabled or empowered to work away from the office to eliminate some of these uh, biases that you mentioned. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely right. Trust is a big one.
0: So, and and we often talk about proximity bias through the lens of the employer, but actually from an employee perspective, there's a lot of employees that actually it's implied that you go into the office, you have a more opportunity to actually excel and progress. There's also proximity bias from an employee perspective. If you're actually located at a headquarter building, then your opportunity for growth is accelerated. So how do we, How do we how do employees think about this as we think about that flexible work and where they may not be in that headquarter building going forward as often?
1: So, again, this definitely is the idea of we all have bias and I know I've experienced and exhibited this myself. So when I was in my 20s and I was in working on Wall Street, I actually felt bias against other people that left early to go home and take care of their kids. Fast forward, I am that person now. So it's almost like there is some sense of maturity that happens as you grow into your career and you move along your career path you see the different dynamics how people work together but for us and that's why you know at sway you know our audience that we work with we're very specific about it we work with managers and the direct reports because you can talk to a c-suite and they can set global strategy and you can go to senior to middle management and they're responsible for rolling it out but the, what really happens and what really matters what happens on the line the idea of like who's making the donuts who's really turning over the crank and making the work happen so that's the audience that we focus on specifically because if line managers and their deck reports can embrace flexible work truly embrace it model it respect it then that's how it's going to happen it's going to that's what's going to stick and that's what's going to show for success so it's about identifying the right people in the org and training them in a way that matters, that they can really embrace and remove from the fear concept to that of trust about flexible work. Because if that is the case, then a manager who is evaluating, who's opining on their report, their direct reports, is gonna look at an, yeah, an equal playing field. If they're empowered with this knowledge, they're not gonna see the difference between somebody that's in an office five days a week versus those that are in three or those that are not at all.
0: Mm. And what do you think is, obviously, for those who don't embrace the flexible working, is there a danger for those organizations, for those teams, for those managers?
1: I mean, it definitely. And I was in a very colorful, I'll call it, clubhouse room a couple of weeks ago where we had a really good conversation with somebody that was in the very other side of the idea that where I am. And I understood where he was coming from. And his contention was, if you're not in the office, you're not going to get promoted. And, you know, what my response was to that is twofold. It is the case that when we see that the genie is out of the bottle, The world of work is already technologically and natively flexible. As we say, when work moved to the cloud, when we became digital avatars, when the work being done, the world of work is already flexible. The only thing that's happening right now is we collectively are catching up on our behaviors and our norms to an already inherently systematically flexible world of work. And the fact that we're not there yet is causing the friction, which is why we're having conversations like this. So there's something very interesting about the dynamic between or being flexible and for us getting on board with that. Um, But the case is, I think it all goes back to earlier about the equality of the mindset towards removing proximity bias.
0: Yeah. And when we talk about flexibility as well, the other thing that sort of goes through my head is a change in processes, a change in how organizations operate. So in essence, you know, we we were both on that clubhouse uh, yesterday where we're talking about remote and you know, little things like meetings, right? Setting meetings up and thinking of meetings and everyone likes to attend that meeting. Everyone likes to feel part of that meeting. And then there's the pre-meeting, there's the meeting, there's the after meeting and so on and so forth, right? So what are the training and what are the tools that you think are really important for organizations that want to adopt this more flexible way of working?
1: Mm -hmm. So we have, at Sway, we developed our line of thought. Uh, We created a framework. I think frameworks are easy to understand and get on board with. And it's a holistic framework that addresses what we believe is creates the bridge towards flexible work. So one of the pieces of the framework we talk about is, it is for us about knowledge, mindset, and skills. So part of the, the knowledge is actually understanding what we mean by the future of work in terms of macro trends. So just to pick up on your earlier question as an example about who wins, who doesn't in this world, it really is much more than the idea of the choice of where you work. The reality is is that the way that the world is shifting in terms of AI, we must be more human at work because we must be able to ideate in new and creative ways. So it's not about getting to the water cooler. In the future of work, it's about what are you bringing to the water cooler? If you want on a competitive edge, that's what we have to focus on. So we take that line of thought and we bring that into our framework. And we teach and we, we talk about with our community members, what is happening in the future of work from micro and a macro level? What is the longer term win about being more human at work? And then that's, we, that's when we really roll up our sleeves and get to work. So we definitely cover the how, like what is the, or the techniques of flexibility, but not necessarily about, do I need a particular cable for my computer? We talk about the idea of personal responsibility and it's huge. Because what's really happening is this power shift is happening from the company to the people. But that means I'm taking on a huge amount of responsibility. If I'm going to shift the workplace to my home or my local coworking, I am now the facilities manager. I am the person that's running the cafeteria. I am all of these things in one. Mm. So the huge power balance is happening, which I think is instigating, which is also possibly why there is the concern and friction over moving from fear to trust. Because are people ready to do that? Do Am I ready for that? And that's what we think about in the community, in our framework we talk about reimagining trust we talk about reimagining intelligence the future of work so we have thought that intelligence was academic acquisitions like the more letters behind my name the higher esteemed i am and and for a while a long time industrial that worked but the reality is in the future of work your intelligence about degrees of awareness to your potential and that's a very different shift so we help people get there on that line of thought so this is reiterating, again, why we skew more to the why flexible works and the longer term implications of it in future proofing your career and developing a competitive edge in the future of work when your greatest competitor is not the guy sitting in the cube next to you it's the piece of AI that's looking to displace piece of your work. So there's a bigger conversation happening that requires immediate decisions and longer term considerations.
0: It's a lot, a lot of so many things in there that you just went through and, uh, my, my, my brains, my brain's scrambling and folks do check out the links below because uh, we have links to, to Sway workplace website where you can have a look and visualize these, these frameworks that Denise is talking about. So what, what I mean, we've talked about many barriers and many thoughts or fears, right? As, as you noted, one of the biggest concerns that I hear when I talk with my peers, when I observe and read in the media is organizations generational where Perhaps there's a tendency for those who are more older folks who have to live further outside of away from the office, actually are more inclined and more desi- desire to have more flexibility to work from home for more. But the, the offset of that is there's those then who are entering the job market, who are coming into an organization, who, who probably need more training, hands-on training, uh, build up the culture of an organization. Well, how would you sort of address some of those concerns that organizations may have?
1: There is for sure. I, I, we don't look at it as much as age, as more of complexity of job. <clears throat> so when you're young, when you, it happens to be when you're younger, or switching careers, when you're new into a field or new into a job, there's a lot that you need to learn, and there's a huge learning curve, and that is definitely best served in person in an apprenticeship model. But that is not a forever period of your workplace, of your work life. At some point, you get to a point where you ha- you have a solid foundation, and then you can make the decisions about where and when you work to more suit your lifestyle. But to go back to your point there, and this is again is our idea of why we think in terms of futures thinking. We, dividing people by age groups in terms of their generational cohort is valuable. So Gen Z, millennial, baby boomers, because it helps us organize attitudes and behaviors and see a degree of granularity. But I would caution that once we do that, now we're all in silos and it's me versus you, and it's us versus them. The reality is that we look at it like generation infinity is the term that we use. We look at the generation of people that are in the world of work. Because again, if we're moving towards a humanized world of work because we must to be competitive, we have to look at what are the human motivators that bind us. We are so similar and so by design in sync that that is where we need to focus on generation infinity. What are the motivators? So what are the motivators that get us to come to the office every day and do our best, do our best work and bring our whole self So my caution there is about moving away from the labeling around generational cohorts again which has value because it organizes thoughts but move towards operationally thinking about generation affinity and what what binds us and what is the community aspect of us coming to the workplace together that's a very important distinction to be made
0: Mm. Mm. interesting it really really is and sort of like it actually takes me back to uh to something my mom used to say to me as a kid as she managed our household you know if you're not in you can't win so if she baked a cake and you weren't around and somebody weren't it and you weren't, in, you, you, you weren't in so you couldn't win. And I think there's people who are probably thinking the same thing about their work environment today. So what guidance would you give to those employees who wanted to embrace this flexible way of working, but there may be concerned about their, their own personal concerns about the mm-hmm. career development and, and their future career? What, what sort of guide, what advice would you give to those?
1: The guys, the advice I would give is to reflect and acknowledge the fact that something is very, very broken in the way that we work. And it's not you. It's not me. It is the system. If the system was fine, we wouldn't be having these conversations. But we know it's not because burnout is so significant. Employee engagement is at horrendously low levels and deteriorating. Something is really, really wrong in the design of work. So it's not you. It's not what you're doing. It's not the decisions that you're making. Systematically speaking, you're operating in a system that is causing pain points that we're all sharing in. So one point is understanding that this is something real that we have to deal with. And we at Sway, you know, our big feeling and our big thought and our North Star you mentioned earlier on the on the deck was work as a lifestyle. We really, really believe that, you know, you are one person living one life and we're all endeavoring to make it count. And for us, if we sway in and out of all parts of our life in an easy way, <clears throat> you're firing on all cil- cylinders and you're optimized. So that is our North Star at Sway. So the other piece of guidance I would give to be specific is to empower people to think that you are, you are the author of your story. You, you are an entrepreneur of one, meaning you are in charge and in the driver's seat of your career. Industrial speaking, we're not, thought, we're not taught to believe that, but the, practically speaking, that is the reality. So I really want people in our community, we empower people to understand and have that viewpoint of personal responsibility, personal power in shaping and charting the course of your work. And understanding and really breaking that down, what that means, you can get to that North Star of work as a lifestyle. You can truly feel that you have time in your life for what matters, that you're making a difference, that you're doing something that you care about. And then if you're not there today, you're working towards that point.
0: I love it i love it i love it you you know you are an entrepreneur your own life and uh yeah i love Mm -hmm. that i love that so we sort of think about that because then you know you embrace your own career path you're responsible and i think over the last 12 months i think many people have acknowledged and sort of learned to themselves actually it is a lot more on themselves to project themselves to develop a career um, it's certainly something I've given a lot of thought of and uh, Simon Sinek's book, you know, The Infinite Game is, is a great book to sort of reference on that to provide that mindset that, you know, we're actually in this for a long time. And uh, how do we want to remain relevant and how do we want to contribute and add value to the organization, but also promote ourselves? So those are great. Now, as, as we wrap up here, Denise, is there anything that we didn't cover that uh, you, you want to sort of leave with, with parting thoughts?
1: You know, just the, the parting thought is, and I think it's easy to be caught up in the emotion of where we are right now. The last year has been horrendous. Um, we've all shared this, this pain point. Um, reflecting back, you know, from our seat where we said at Sway, we know that this has been a huge opportunity to wake people up to the fact that we can do something different. You cannot break inertia without massive change. And COVID happened to be that piece of change. So the, the, the parting thought to leave on is the fact that the future of work is a major, major opportunity. And The world of work is changing, even if we did nothing, is completely changing, had been, which is where the future of work originated from pre-COVID. And we really believe that either you are making the change or you're subject to the change. So we really wanna encourage members and anyone's watching to really, really step back, take a deep breath and see the future of work as a door of opportunity that has been opened. And we have an opportunity to walk through that. And if we do that collectively, and better. If we do it as a community, even better. But it is an opportunity to rewire and change how we approach the world of work in partnership with companies that are setting the agendas. Um, and the opportunity is now.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. I think uh, I agree with everything you just said there. And, and it's actually an exciting future when we think about it. And I just love that term work as a lifestyle and sort of life integrating with between our work and, and, our, and our career our, and, and life um, as, as a whole. So, so thank you, Denise. Denise, look, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Um, folks do go check her out do, Uh, well, there's links to connect with Denise on, on LinkedIn, uh, follower as well on, uh, on clubhouse, very focal, very opinionated, which is fantastic. Ask really provocative questions when in room. So, uh, do, do follow Denise and, uh, look, thank you, Denise. It's been a pleasure to chat with you and I, and I continue to, to follow you, listen to you and, uh, take on a lot of your ideas. So thank you for your time this morning.
1: It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Take care.